Aloha, I'm Ash. Aloha, I'm Matt, and we are the Yoga Couple. Welcome back to the Inner Work Podcast. We've hit、oh, a little bit of a virality on Instagram and TikTok talking about porn in relationships and gaming addiction and even alcohol addiction. And I think some of the videos on TikTok have a few million views or at least a million, and then some of them are hitting, you know, two million, three million. And then on Instagram, some of the videos are at like 500,000. So there's a lot of comments. And sometimes I can't even read them because it like, it's gut wrenching. Like there's so much hatred. There's totally a lot of positivity, but there's so much hatred. And some of the comments that I would be seeing would be like telling me as a partner,、um, you know, the videos are about healing Matt's porn use,、uh, alcohol use. And shoot, I mean, I used to game too. Yeah, and I、gaming. feel like I've done it all. <laughs> and some of the comments are like, girl,、uh, You shouldn't be with him because men are not supposed to be a, a project run. Don't listen to this, these people.、Um, you know, men, men shouldn't be our project. And kind of making me feel like I'm one of like, those pick me girls that stays with a guy that、uh, you shouldn't stay with. And so we're going to talk about how that's like, literally not the situation with、uh, Matt and I because he is one of the most accountable men I know. And some of the other comments are just like kind of defending that alcohol, porn use, gaming, like none of these things are, are issues. Or, or have any negative side effects. I think one of the things too is like it's not even, I, I wouldn't even call it like, I, I know like at first glance it's, it's hatred, but honestly it's just like triggered, right?、Yeah. So super triggered. And yeah, have you seen any triggering comments that are? Oh, always, you know, super triggered because at the end of the day, like when we have something that we, so the subconscious always knows when something is not good for us and we know when it's negative. And so when it's getting called out, but we weren't necessarily ready for that,、um, it can be super triggering. So it's just interesting to see those reactions and see like how、uh, off, off, off put people can get about it. But I do think one thing that's interesting when you bring up the project thing, just to clarify, When we talk about this, we're definitely not saying like、uh, go into a relationship knowing they have a project, be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help them. Okay, because that's actually like super dangerous and, and reckless. Yeah.、Um, the video Ash is talking about is when we were, we were sharing that you know, we, we healed these, these huge things together. But I think something that's super important to do as a caveat there is we healed these things. Not up front though, like Ash didn't know, right? Like, this is kind of important. Yeah, you know but what I'm even、saying? if I did know, I don't think that I would not be in a relationship with、sure. somebody just because I found out that they had、um, a history with,、sure. you know, looking at porn or, or drinking alcohol, or which we're going to get into is like, what's the deciding factor? Sure.、Um, but I just want to clarify like, you didn't like, I, you know, we didn't meet each other and I said, hey, So, just so you know, I have all these addictions. And you were like, that's okay. I'll help you heal them. Like, it wasn't like、no. you went into it, like, oh, I'll project you. The reason why I want to like clarify this is because there are definitely some really unhealthy relationships like, that sometimes I see、um, and have heard really horrible stories about when I, when I counsel people. And sometimes what I hear is there is a danger to this kind of interesting thing where. Uh, people will be in relationships thinking that they need to keep enduring 
abuse. And I think one of the most important things, like Ash was pointing out, is accountability. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get into the signs. Cool. Okay, we're going to get into this. the signs. But first, yeah, let's just talk about the, the resistance to mm. being in a relationship that requires inner work. And here's my thing with it. And the reason why I say I'm not going to just say I wouldn't be with you if you had these things. The reason being is because I don't think, maybe I'm just hopeless, but I don't know how many people there are in the world who are available who don't have a problem with one of these things. Mm-hmm. That's how socially acceptable, you know, gaming, porn, alcohol, and weed have become. It's mm-hmm. just like a habit that everybody has. Mm-hmm. So it would be super rare. Probably you would maybe only find this with a religious person who yep. who not even just a religious person because religious people have a lot of trauma with these things and mm-hmm. a lot of the mm-hmm. addiction is coming <laughs> from religion coming from because religious of the people. repression so yeah. i don't even know and when the statistics are saying nine out of ten men are looking at porn mm-hmm. good luck finding somebody who doesn't struggle on some level and that's why i'm saying i just i don't think it would be yeah. an instant red flag for me what is an instant red flag is kind of what you just said about accountability is that if I met somebody who had these things going on and then just completely thought, but they're awesome and fine and I'm fine and there's nothing wrong with me and I have no interest in evolving, changing, growing or um, working on myself to create a more healthier, balanced life. If they have no interest in that, that's my red flag. Mm-hmm. If they're like, mm-hmm. no, I'm good. Like literally don't, yeah, don't yeah. push me to evolve. I don't want to change. Talk about it. I don't want to know mm-hmm. anything that I can improve. Literally mm-hmm. like if you even want to talk about self-improvement, like I'm going to turn off because mm-hmm. I just want to be left alone. Yes. That's my red that's, flag. That is definitely the Not thing. what they did or what mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. You know, I'd be interested too, um, so that's just pornography, but if we throw in uh, gaming, right, because gaming is, uh, the games these days have just, it's spiraled out of control. I mean, I remember back when I was a gamer and super hooked on it. I mean, it was just beginning, uh, and I've been out of that world for at least probably 10 years now. I can't even imagine how addicting and how crazy those games are now and the like crazy levels of dopamine. So you got gaming. I wonder what the stats are on that. And then alcohol too. You yeah, know, so, so let's talk like, about These why. are so common. Games, alcohol, those are super common. And then let alone if pornography is that common, then it's like we're, we're at a state where it's become, we're, we're kind of like what I would call like a, it's like an era of, of socially accepted um, self-sabotage or an era of socially accepted addiction in a sense. But we don't want to call it addiction because again, if it's so common, we all think, well, it's not addiction because everybody does it. So it's like this fascinating thing of like, uh, if you get the majority of people doing something, you can rule it out as no longer a problem because you're like, well, everybody does it. So it's not an addiction. It's like, no, it, it just means the whole friggin' world pretty much is addicted, but no one wants to admit it, which is like, basically what we're reaching is like a critical mass of denial. Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> like, talk about why though. Let's talk about why it is a a self-sabotaging behavior and at what level is it a self-sabotaging behavior because uh, that was one of the main things in the comments of all these viral videos is Mm -hmm. people kind of defending drinking alcohol like casually or gaming casually, smoking weed casually, looking at porn casually and they're just like, like stop demonizing these things and it's not that we want to demonize them because this is literally the exact opposite approach that we have. The only reason you have been successful in healing 
is because mm -hmm. we literally looked at the shame, guilt, demonization that these things totally. had for you growing up in a strict religion and realized that the demonization of it is why you were feeling repression, which is why you overcompensated and um, had such regular use with these things because mm -hmm. you didn't want to feel wrong. You didn't want to feel uh, restricted. You wanted to feel free in your own skin. So we totally get that. But on this, on the flip side, mm -hmm. it's, you can't say that there's no negative effects to our psyche, our emotional 100%. state, our ability to be in a committed relationship, our energy levels, our hormones, our, you know, brain chemicals, like we can't just like throw it all out and be like, because I don't want to feel shameful, there's literally no negative side effects. Totally. And I think that that's the part that is being left out because we're so protective of not being shamed. We don't want to feel wrong. We don't mm. want to feel like we're doing something dirty or uh, we don't want to feel that. But then in that protecting of our self-worth, we kind of dismiss every side effect that could be self-sabotaging us. Mm -hmm. And that's the conversation that we're trying to open up when we make these mm -hmm. viral TikToks and Instagrams. Yeah, here's here's what I would say, like when I work with someone with addiction, my my number one thing, it's so, so obviously first implementing it with myself and now sharing it with others. So um, to to build off that point you brought up of, okay, so how I how I actually healed this ironically was to stop demonizing these things. However, we got to get some, some clarity on that. There, there's an important, there's an important um, separation that needs to happen. And that is that our self-worth is always innocent, unconditionally lovable, worthy of that unconditional love at all times, all places. It's never touchable. You cannot take your self-worth. So as a being, as a person, we're always worthy of unconditional love, forgiveness, grace, compassion, innocence, all of it. All the good things that we desire, you actually always get that. Always. You're always worthy of that. So once we've established that, now we separate to this totally other topic. This is how all these, these um, self-sabotaging negative behaviors happen is because we haven't separated these two. So then there's a separate issue of choices and choices have consequences. Now, your choices do not determine your worth, right? So we've got to clarify this. Your worth was already pure, already innocent, already whole, already complete. So this is, this is how this negative pattern happens is because if I, let me walk you through why this is so important to clarify. So let's say I've been, um, so, so let's say looking at pornography has been villainized and I was told, no, it's evil, it's sinful, you're going to be damned to hell and like you're a horrible person if you do it. Okay, so notice, if, that, if I ever make that choice in an innocent, totally weak moment, the problem with it though is now I've associated my worth with that. So now I feel like a horrible person. I suck. I'm shameful. I, 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 I. I'm disgusting. Yeah. I'm so, a sinner. Exactly. So now actually it starts a huge negative feedback loop because now I feel bad about myself. And because I feel bad about myself, I'm more likely to continue the behavior because it starts to build a sensation of there's no point. Uh, I, this is just, yep. See, I'm just a POS. Like I'm just like, I just suck. And then we just keep feeding it. Now, the irony is we usually go back to the thing, drugs, alcohol, gaming, whatever, sex, 
um, whatever it is, to try to then make us feel better again. But then every time we do it with that intention, it just makes us feel bad about ourselves again, which then starts a feedback loop. You see, you, I call it kind of getting on the hamster wheel because you feel bad about yourself, so then you use the substance to try to uplift, but then after using it, you always feel bad about yourself again, which then makes you want to use it again. So, right, so you get stuck, you get stuck in this loop. So how I feel like you have to separate it is you have to say, whoa, 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 actually, you are always unconditionally loved. You're always worthy, you're always innocent, you're always pure, and then, you make choices, they have consequences, and that's called learning. Yeah, consequences are, um, are connected to the choice. To the choice, not to your work. Not to you. Exactly. Yeah. So we could say this, they're connected to your maturity, they're connected to your wisdom, they're connected to your learning, but not your worth. Right? Yeah, so and so like, when we look at the comments on these videos, it's, mm -hmm. you, it's very obvious, it's obvious that people are trying to protect their worth, yeah, their which worth. is why they're like, there's nothing wrong with yes. this, it's, it's totally fine. Happens. Um, because, yeah, as a response or a reaction mm -hmm. to being shamed, yep. totally. Of course, like, of of course, course. you're going to react that way. But that doesn't mean that these um, behaviors are not bringing suffering mm -hmm. into your mm -hmm. life and your relationships, your health and your well-being, even though, even if you're not even aware of them. Mm -hmm. So here's what's crazy, right? So when you, when you start to associate the consequences with your worth, the, the problem becomes you don't ever learn because you're too busy defending. Yeah. So what I see in myself and in others now that I've worked with, it's a, it actually traps us because as soon as you start associating consequences with your worth, you, you, you actually block any learning because here's why. If the ego, the human ego, associates negative consequences with its worth, then why would it ever own anything? Right. This is why we have an accountability problem in this day and age is because no one, no one feels safe to take accountability because the, the current ego structure says, if I take accountability, I'm admitting I'm shameful, yeah. worthless. And cancel culture is totally yep. pro, like, per perpetuating that. Yes, because you it's go, a shame culture. Uh, you go see like somebody says something out of line yep. that could shame be them. unconscious and maybe mm -hmm. like perpetuating the problem of inequality or whatever mm -hmm. the thing, mm -hmm. right? Whatever it is. And they're not educated. They say a stupid statement. Mm -hmm. And instead of uh, helping them to learn, mm -hmm. which is supposedly the mission, yeah. it's you go look at these comment sections of people who are being canceled and it's just like complete shame, complete yeah. rejection, like you're a POS. You, so whenever, you. It's a, whenever it's a statement like you're an idiot, you're uncultured, you're unaware, those are deg degrading, degrading shame comments. Like, right? And so the people who are protecting their righteous uh, motivation, their righteous cause, are yeah. actually perpetuating the cause the problem, yeah. because the rest of the world is so afraid to be in accountability because of the way they're treated. Nice, yeah. Because totally. no one's going to be accountable when that's, <laughs> that's the, that's when the framework. That's the, <laughs> when yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. It's totally unsafe to be accountable. It's, un un it's unsafe. So, so here's a like we'd say like, what's the solution then? Here's a funny way to walk through that particular uh, cancel culture mentality. Something you could do instead is be like, hey. You're totally loved. This is like what I tell people, right? Like when I work with them, I literally say, hey, it's all good. You're loved. You're unconditionally loved. You're innocent. You're pure. You're forgiven. There's, you're always worthy of grace. Cool. We got that. So imagine responding to someone yeah. with cancer culture and said, hey, you're totally loved. Yeah. I forgive you. 
you got, you're worthy of grace, you're amazing as a being. Hey, just so you know, uh, that choice you make no, or no, um, has, no. has consequences. Question. Yeah, or question, really. It's like, you know, have you ever thought about yeah, have you ever or, thought that what, what the impact of what you're saying does or what it just a what does? Just yeah. proposing a question so mm-hmm. that they could become um, accountable and from their own learn. choice yes. instead of being shamed. And so yes. let's segue into this because mm-hmm. the reason why we've been successful in healing this as a couple even though in the comments on these viral videos, people seem to think I have no effing backbone. <laughs> it's because... No, trust me, Ash is fierce. Yeah, she my has, moon's in Capricorn. She has a backbone. Watch Don't out. you worry about that. So, uh, which is like... She holds me to the fire. Yeah, man. So, listen. The thing is, is that you are accountable to mm-hmm. yourself you want to be your highest potential and this is your choice i'm not over here uh 100%. nagging you i'm not over here like begging you to change mm-hmm. or any of these things no. you're accountable because you want this for yourself you're on a mission like you always say to be to reach your highest potential to look mm-hmm. at the aspects and the things in your life that are limiting you and so my role has never been to uh, nag you, bag you, try to get you to see this. Right. Never. But what I do do is I hold you accountable to that agreement. To what so, I've made with myself. Yeah. 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 I call it like the mirror. Yeah. You know, I'm like, totally going to call you out if you're lying mirroring, to yourself. Yeah. She's just mirroring what I said I wanted. Yeah. You know, so, so if I, like, let's take a, another example, like a side note example. Like if I said... Hey, I want to have a workout routine. Okay, like I want to start working out. She's just going to say, you know, hey, I noticed you haven't worked out in like the plan? past week. So is that her shaming me or being weird? No, she's, is she nagging me? No, she's just holding me accountable to what I said I wanted to do. So in the same, in the same vein, like now taking with one of these, these deeper emotional topics, if I say, hey, I want to... I don't want to look at porn. I want to be an accountable person. I don't want to use alcohol to run away from discomfort. So if she sees me starting to do that, after a while, she's going to be like, hey, so how's that, you know, how's that working out for you? Like, how have you been, what have you been learning about facing discomfort sober? And then I'll be like, um, I haven't been doing it. <laughs> and then, you know, th- there's the work right there. What ends up happening, though, is that a lot of people are in relationships where their partner doesn't actually want these things. Yes. And this they're, is pro- huge. they're this projecting is huge. onto them that they should um, want these things that their husband or their wife or their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, um, that their boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife should want to mm-hmm. get sober, should want to put down these self-sabotaging habits when they actually don't want to. They're yeah, actually they really cool don't. with being um, where they are at. And they actually wish that their partner would stop nagging them, them right? They want to just be left alone. And so when people are in those types of relationships, that's a whole different conversation around uh, having standards and boundaries for yourself. So let's just go rewind back and say how we even got into the situation is that this is what we have. We have a non-negotiable list. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a relationship, new or old, highly recommend you do this is you make a list, and one column it's called Mm non-negotiables. The next column it's called 
compromise and negotiables. Mm -hmm. And then the last column is kind of just like open of stuff you really don't really care about and you can go either way on and the partner sure. could totally have Maybe their it's like say. the wish list. No, this is like the, I don't even care. They could have sure. complete control over picking that. Like, sure. okay, okay. Yeah, so like that's like, like the, the that's like the, they totally can pick open. where we live. I literally don't care. Got it. Like Got that's it. not important to me or whatever. So it's like these levels of, kind of attachment mm -hmm. and so in or the priority in priority mm -hmm. so in the first level is like non-negotiable list like I have a boundary and I will not be in a relationship with a partner who um, doesn't have these same values as me and these are your values and so our values on our non-negotiable list what is one of the first ones is God so it's like mm -hmm. I will not, me personally and you personally, mm -hmm. won't be in a relationship with somebody who isn't interested in spirituality, who doesn't have... A divine connection. Who doesn't see it. And isn't even, is interested, you know, in making sure they're seeking it. And that's what, the reason for that is that we've been in relationships with people who didn't mm -hmm. really care about Divinity. spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so many things under that umbrella were not up to our what we see for ourselves in our lives because the foundation for that first had to be that they had a relationship with a higher yeah, power. Yeah. It was almost, I think another way to word it too is like, I remember back um, when I was coming up with my non-negotiables in a sense, I didn't, didn't maybe know the language for it, but we were doing this subconsciously. I think when I would date people and when it would eventually not work out, I started to, here's a good way you guys can start to notice what yours are is eventually you reach points in relationships where uh, it starts to be unfulfilling for some reason. And this was one of them is like, let's say the physicality was great, a lot of physical interests, a lot of physical chemistry, maybe intellectual chemistry. You know, we can talk a lot about a lot of the same things, but what in this particular topic, what I would notice is, but when I want to talk about God and divinity and spiritual stuff, the person's just like, nah. Yeah. So what I would realize is that was creating an unfulfilled part of me that you couldn't share that I couldn't express in a way where I really wanted to connect. That was actually vital. Uh, and this is why it became such an, the top non-negotiables because it's actually everything to me. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of how you, you figure out what your, your priority list on your non-negotiable is, is because what you're looking for is what are the things where if it's not in the relationship, you're going to feel, gonna feel this it. isn't right. You're yeah. going to feel it. And you're going to be like, mm, something's missing in a sense. And, and this is where you get really clear because it's not necessarily the person. So this is where you want to get really clear. It's not the person. It's, it's a quality that you're paying attention yeah. to because that way it'll help you be really clear on what you do want. And then let, let life bring you a person who, who also wants that. I remember when Ash and I first met because we were aware of this stuff. Uh, we actually that was the you cut you cut through the BS in the beginning of dating. I mean, Ash and I remember when we first started dating, we just started asking like big questions like, "What do you think the purpose of life is? Why yeah. do you think you're here?" Because what we're trying to do is cut through to what our biggest values, values are, and make sure we're on the same page before we keep investing time and energy and build this attachment that that was going to be so hard to break apart. If because this is actually what happened is I I remember like dating someone, and I would like get a month into it. And then find out like these huge core categories were missing because I didn't just say it right it's like away. First question. And it's like yeah. no, no, no. Say it right away. Yeah. Whatever your biggest non-negotiables are. So get it out right away and be like, hey, what's your relationship with spirituality? And if they're like, I don't like that stuff, dude. Like I don't want to talk about it. I don't know, whatever. 
and then you're like, okay, thanks, yeah. thanks for your time. <laughs> like, I'm gonna move on now because if it's that fundamental to you, then there's really no point because no matter how attractive, no matter how awesome you think they are, if these massive non-negotiables are missing, you will eventually burn out on it. Yeah, so some of the other ones, you know, that was like the top one is a relationship mm -hmm. with a higher power. The next one, it was the, a commitment to the yoga path, which mm -hmm. is self-realization. Mm -hmm. It is communion with God, communion with higher power. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's self-mastery. It's inner work. Yeah, it's com inner work, self-mastery. So uh, this commitment of self-mastery means that Matt and I are always in a place of looking at the areas in our life where we are still unconscious or acting out of our unconscious and we don't have self-mastery. Mm -hmm. So am I consciously doing these things? Am I consciously saying these things? Am I consciously thinking these things? Is my life a self-aware practice? So that's where this whole commitment to uh, looking at coping habits, mm -hmm. stress coping habits, like looking at porn, uh, drinking alcohol, smoking weed, gaming, that's where this comes in. Because if that is the foundation that we have this commitment to self-mastery, how could we not look at these things? Mm -hmm. It's imperative that we're looking at our, our habits and being like, is this contributing to my spiritual development, my self-mastery, me reaching my higher potential, or is it a huge distraction from me taking accountability and ownership over my life. And these things are not only huge time wasters, but they have a lot of programming in the subconscious mind. They, because, of, because your dopamine levels are associated with these actions, you're starting to create neural pathways in the brain that are teaching you that um, instant gratification is the way to your happiness. And on the self-realization path, we want to be masters of nothing being the source of our happiness. We want to be able to have complete control over our state of being, whether we're in pain or whether we're in pleasure, whether we're in discomfort or whether we're in ease. That's self-mastery. But when you start to use alcohol, porn, gaming, substances... I think a big one in the spiritual community is using weed. Yeah. I mean, I, I used it a lot for my spiritual practice, which was kind of the, the tricky part of discovering that one for sure. Yeah. And you rely upon these things yeah. or they're your go-to for yeah. decompressing. Yeah. You become reliant on them and you, you're missing this whole part of uh, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. It's, it's checking out in a sense. It's giving away your power. It's it's not in alignment with our non-negotiable of self-mastery, which mm -hmm. this is why I'm bringing this up because not everybody is yeah, on everybody that path. Wants to do that. And that's why a lot of people are not going to relate to our commitment to this yeah. because they're in the place. Let's just look at themes of consciousness. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they might be in neutrality. Yeah. And neutrality on the themes of consciousness is just a place and a, a vibration that we can be entrained into where we're good. Like, mm -hmm. please do not talk to me about doing more. Don't give me more things to look at. Mm -hmm. Don't, I don't want more work on my plate. I don't want to strive. I literally want to be left alone. I just want to chill. Just want to chill. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And so a lot of people are there and that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's Every fine. stage is fine. But that's that's not our path. Our mm -hmm. path is we wanna we wanna 
scale the the themes and mm -hmm. rise to our potential so and obviously like going back to the social media you know that's what we're ultimately holding the door open is for all the others out there that also want that you know and it's a good caveat to point out of look we know we know the journey's relative so all these people that are getting triggered like yeah we understand this was not technically meant for that person you, yeah, do you. Yeah, do you. And it's kind of funny. We Ash made a video saying that, like basically being like, hey, you can drink, smoke, liquor porn, do whatever you want. We, we actually don't care because we, we know that that's part of your journey. That's fine. But what we're trying to put content out for is for people who, who are on this, on this uh, path and who do want it and want that support. And it's so funny because, you know, with social media, you can't clarify that. But as a funny joke, we always say it. Ideally, for every post, you would know exactly what theme it is, but like, because the mass population doesn't even know, don't, don't know what they are, it's too hard to, to clarify. So we do our best, right, to be like, hey, this is not for everybody. This is only if you're striving for Yeah, so let's talk about what are the benefits of giving these things up? Like, why? What are the benefits? And and maybe let's just start with what are the benefits of not giving it up? Like to sympathize and understand like why people would say, I don't need to look at this. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, it's become such a common thing to do these things that people don't mm -hmm. even think. We, we always propose our videos as like gaming addiction, porn addiction. We should be doing that because people don't realize that they have an addiction we're calling it an addiction because it's regular use, but they addiction has become such a, like an extreme word. It's like when you visualize an alcoholic or you visualize somebody who would be addicted to porn, yeah. it's such an extreme, probably very like visualization in your head. You're like, well, I'm not that. Well, so. especially with this society, <laughs> with society how it is now, technically what is normal, what everyone deems normal is the addiction. And now addiction is actually an extreme. Yeah. It's like the person passed out on the side of the road and they're like, oh, that's an alcoholic. And it's like, no, do, do every day or not even every day, do like a few times throughout the week. Do is you, it your go-to you go for to stress? alcohol when you're uncomfortable? <laughs> yeah. That's an addiction. Period. Like Period. you use it every time you're stressed, you need to have a drink. Every time you're stressed, you need to look at porn or masturbate. Every time you're stressed, you need to um, smoke weed. Smoke weed. Whatever the thing is, is like when when you have to go to those things and or take pills like we left that out yeah so i think most people who use casually actually do have a coping habit mm -hmm. and aren't aware of it because it's so socially acceptable so we should stop calling it addiction and just just talk about it in general yeah so why <laughs> all right that one's on us guys we'll we'll fix that why what are the benefits of keeping that habit why are people defending it? And, and then what are the, the benefits of letting this ha these habits go and, and totally. holding yourself accountable to being like, enough's enough with this stuff. I'm not going to be using, like, why even, why even go there? Yeah. First and foremost, everybody's unconditionally loved. We're all innocent, pure, and accepted and worthy of forgiveness and grace. So we always establish our worth first, right? Like we talked about. So now that we have that, okay, take a deep breath into that okay, like I'm good. Now we're looking at why do I want to keep doing this? And why do I maybe want to stop? What are the consequences attached in both directions? So usually what we see 
when we are using these things, if we first say, well, what's the current consequences and why do I do it, right? So the first one usually is because it helps. That's usually the number one answer. It's like, well, I don't know what else to do. And this is my, this is my observation of it's innocent because we don't know another way. That is like the number one thing I'm always telling people when I work with uh, people one-on-one on this topic. I'm always trying to reiterate like, hey, I understand you didn't know anything else to do. And it was taught and modeled, right? So we're taught and modeled this. The way the human ego deals with discomfort is two main categories. It either projects it and that's when we lash out. So like if I'm irritable, I'm uncomfortable, I might attack you and and just pick some random thing, right? And I've done these things and I'll pick a fight because I'm, I'm uncomfortable and I don't know how to sit with that. And so I just lash it out on you and make you the problem. The second way though on this topic is masking. And masking is when you use something as a way of coping with your discomfort and displacing and literally masking, right? Covering up the discomfort. So when we use these substances or these things, we're using them to run away and avoid the discomfort because we don't know what to do with the discomfort because no one ever taught us. That's the number one thing, right? This is why we're all unconditionally loved and innocent is because in, in our opinion or our observation has been everybody is only doing negative choices because they don't know something better. And the number one defense we get from people sometimes in a really intense way is no, they know what they're doing their pieces of crap and their, they know, they know. And it's like, dude, they don't. They don't know. If they knew better, they would do better. You might think this person's really intelligent. They're just a narcissist. They're, and it's like, no, trust me. No soul does something that they know is truly going to F them over. The, the ego does not do things that are dumb. It always wants to be smart. So when it does these things, it, it feels rationalized and it feels, uh, it feels like it has a really good reason. That's what's ironic. Like even all darkness, you know, we could even take like, uh, you know, big, big people in history like Hitler. Dude, the guy thought he was doing something great. Make no mistake. He thought he believed in what he was doing. Like all people doing dark things believe in what they're doing. They think it's good. They think it's, and what I mean by good is like, they think it's like, uh, the proper choice for them, you know, like they, they believe in it. And so that's, that's a big innocent thing that we have to connect with is like, Hey, we're always doing what we think is best when, and then that starts to beg a beg the question of like, wow. So, uh, getting in fights, projecting, masking, wow, we think that's what's best. Okay. So this is a matter of education, not shaming. This isn't about the person's quality as a person. It's about their education. That's all this is about. And so we do these things because we don't know any different. Yeah, what, do they, what do people think it's giving them though? Like what's the... Relief. Yeah, like you know, let's relief. just like, the, like dumb it down to like them. the most basic. Like what's yeah. the... Why do I look at porn makes me feel better about myself? Why do I look at porn? Because it makes me feel good. Why do I look at porn? Because it takes away my stress. Why would I look at porn? Because... It makes me feel desirable. It's easy. It's easy. It's quick. I, it takes zero effort. 
Uh, why do I drink alcohol? Because I literally have to do nothing but tilt a glass And back. then I feel good. And then I feel good. And it, it, it's the quickest, easy. Why do I take pills? Why do we take pharmaceuticals? Right. Because it's an instant change. Okay, great. And it instantly masks and takes away the discomfort because I don't know what okay. else to do about so it. So this is the thing is that we think we're mm -hmm. going to feel better and feel mm -hmm. happy. And so when that's being threatened, you're like, well, you should stop these things. It's like, mm -hmm. well, why would I ever why effing it, do that? Because, because I every... feel better when I have these things. And that's exactly. literally so many of the comments, especially mm -hmm. on TikTok, is like, but I feel better. So mm -hmm. no, like gaming makes me feel better. Porn makes me feel better. Blah, blah, blah mm -hmm. makes me feel better. Okay. So, so hold on, though. I want to lock this in. And that is exactly what I'm saying of notice the human ego believes what it's doing is good. Right. So it thinks it's right. Yes. So I just want to lock that in. Yes. Is like that's what I mean by that. Is like, see, they think, look, I'm doing something that's better for me. Okay. okay so if you're it. doing okay, something that makes you feel good, okay, and then you have to ask, and what's at risk? Okay. Yep. So what's at stake? So what are the consequences of, of this feel good? This. Okay. Yes. And that's what's not being asked. Yes. And then we're gonna look at quitting and feeling good, and what are the and consequences of that? Yep. So this is how we make decisions. <laughs> in our relationship and in our life and on the path of yoga so mm -hmm. okay it makes you feel good fine what's at risk mm -hmm. let's just talk about porn what's the side effect right so it makes yes, you feel good yes i do get a temporary and it high, comes with let's, but it's like those drug commercials yeah, you know the drug commercials that may like, experience you're gonna you're gonna um if you have a <laughs> what is it what are the things it's hemorrhoids like a, yeah <laughs> if you have hemorrhoids take this it's like a take this medicine of... and the side effects are death liver disease uh, may have <laughs> yeah. thyroid issues okay may lead to irritable bowel all right <laughs> look at porn you're gonna feel amazing and the side effects are and then there's this yeah. whole list that nobody's talking about yeah so we, we don't want to look at it realistically and remember why don't we because if our worth and our identity is associated with looking at the negative consequences. No one will admit that. No ego wants to admit that they're doing something self-destructive. This is, I, I gotta keep reiterating this, like we're all innocent. We don't know we're doing this. Okay. So, so coming into the truth, why do we look at it? We think it's making us feel better. However, what is the side effects? Well, whew, you're messing with, messes with your brain and it starts to throw off our ability to be happy and content in normal situations because now the brain is starting to downregulate because pornography, we'll use this one as an example, hits the brain with such an atom bomb of neurochemicals that are so astronomically unnatural. Okay, so the human brain, pornography in particular, I'm a pretty big advocate of this because from a neuroscience level, it's kind of freaking me out what it's going to do to us as a species. Yeah. Because the human DNA, the, the natural primal human, especially the man, was not supposed to see that many sexual partners. He was getting to see like one woman sexually available was an astronomical event. It was like, wow, right? Like this was a massive thing. And that's why the body gets hit with so many chemicals is because it was to propagate the species. It's a huge chemical event that is extremely huge endorphins, tons of dopamine, and a bunch of positive uplifting chemicals. It's because it's supposed to give him the energy to carry out the act, right? So this is the natural amount was way uh, more seldom. And it wasn't hundreds of women at the click of a button. That is so unnatural to the brain that we're talking atom bomb levels here. We're talking like 
so unnatural high. Okay. That it's like but let's bring the, it back the side to reality. effect then is is that it totally downregulates the brain. What does that do in our regular life, though? Yeah. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna get to that. So now that it downregulates the brain because the brain will adjust to the new exposure. Because that sounds amazing. People are like, yeah, I want that. That sounds great. Uh, don't, don't trust me though. We're getting to the side effects. So this is, yeah, we like it for this part, but here's this, the downside of this, is because of that huge unnatural high, now the brain starts to lower its capacity. Um, so what it does is endorphins, all the feel-good chemicals, they'll, the receptors will start to down-regulate. And what this means is you now need that big of an experience to feel happy on a normal basis. Oh shoot, here comes addiction. Okay. Because normal life now is gonna be super dull. You're gonna be very irritable. You're gonna be very discontent. It, it makes us like. Okay, so the side effect that we really saw in our relationship mm -hmm. was, and now it's so mundane mm -hmm. that if you're not aware of this connection, you mm -hmm. won't even you won't know. Connect it. You, won't you won't even connect. connect. You'll just think, mm -hmm. wow, he always has an attitude yeah. or, you know, they're consistent. Like it's like consistently mm -hmm. finding things to complain about, like constantly complaining. Irritable. It's like seeing somebody who is perpetually having a little issue. It's mm -hmm. like they're constantly a little bit irritated, constantly mm -hmm. a little bit not at ease, constantly mm -hmm. like everything's an annoyance, every little task, like cleaning the house, doing the dishes, taking care of a freaking chore or a bill or something that needs to get handled. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, fine. Like yep. it's like such a ordeal. And then we have normalized that this is how this is just people are. Human. People are just like this. They're yep. Just always discontent. They're always complaining. They always yep. have an issue, yep. and pretty much everybody is addicted to something. Coffee, you know, whatever the thing. So if they're not getting that hit, they're or they're or playing, you know, playing mm -hmm. video games, drinking, going out. Everything that's not that now is annoying. Yep. I used to go to work at a school, and all the teachers in the break room they would always be complaining. It was like this. It was like, hi, good morning. How's your day? Oh, another day, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's just, and then complain, mm -hmm. finding something to complain about. And we think this is normal. Yeah, but on the normal. yoga path. That's like super abnormal. Listen, this is where, this is why we're so motivated about this. Yoga says the same peace and happiness and joy that you think you're getting when you get your pleasures, drinking alcohol, being out with friends, looking at porn, having sex, that is actually your normal state of being. That's supposed to be your and baseline. And you should be feeling like that pretty much all the time, content yeah. and happy. You sh shouldn't. It's not you should. It's available to you. Yeah. If, it's, it's your birthright. It's your birthright, which is amazing and hopeful Yeah. if you go on this path of self-mastery. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting to us because... Mm -hmm. I'd rather be in that space of bliss and contentment no matter where I'm at, even when I'm at work or doing something annoying like going to the DMV. And I will tell you, I literally am, have a testimony of being in spaces that you should be really annoyed that you're in and having tears of joy from being an existential bliss of my existence mm -hmm. because I decided to have that moment instead of being annoyed. And people who are addicted to getting it from an outside source never have that opportunity. Yeah. Because they don't even know it's available to well, them. Well, let's just say people that are using, you know, we don't we'll stray too, away from too, addiction. 
No, yeah, no, it makes sense. So, so basically, just to all reword it too is like the ability to because it messes with the brain so much. What these things do is they they start to make normal life really unsatisfying, and and so normal life becomes the thing you want to constantly escape from and, and it starts to have a huge side effect because now your relationship is something you want to escape from because it requires effort a really another way simplified way to put this is anytime we're required effort we can't handle it so the huge side effect of using these things is that it it skews our ability to handle delayed gratification and it makes us want to avoid responsibility it ruins the ability to have a healthy relationship without a lot of irritation and triggers in it because anytime your partner needs something from you, it's extremely it's like exhausting and inconvenience because here's another huge misconception uh, or shall we say um, a crazy uh, perception that gets subconsciously put in when you use pornography, for example, that we were tripping out on just recently is it actually makes you see that your relationship should be like porn. And I don't mean sexually. I mean, uh, reward-wise. Oh, let's get into this. this so good. this was crazy. Basically, what it what it skews your perception. You don't even realize it's doing this to you. But but you're you start to view your relationship from a subconscious way. You don't know you're doing this. I didn't know I was doing this. I, I technically, I don't want her to ask anything of me unless I asked of her. Okay, that sounds like a like the relationship with the phone or the computer, right? Like, don't porn doesn't come like. Porn doesn't interact with me. I interact with it. Okay, so don't ask anything of me. Don't require any effort. Um, you know, don't don't take any of this. Uh, don't take any effort from me. Um, only serve me. Only be pleasurable. Only be positive. Only be uplifting. I don't want to deal with any of your emotions. I don't want to deal with anything negative. You need to only be. Basically, what we start to do only is we start to, we start to project onto our partner. Only provide me pleasure. Yeah. And this is why relationships are failing left and right today is because all of this stuff, and it's not just porn, it's drinking, it's gaming, it's using any other type of escape. What this does to the brain is it starts to project onto the partnership that if you're not pleasurable, I don't you're want a this. Problem. You're a problem. You're the problem. And then what do we see? They break up and they go okay. do it again with the other person because it always starts out everybody's on their best behavior and, and in a pleasurable state. But then as time wears on, we start to see their real human moments. And the, the escapism, the addiction of the brain says, this is uncomfortable. I don't want this. And then it runs away again. I literally saw somebody commenting on one of our videos that you went viral for when you were saying, stop leaving relationships and saying it's because there's a problem. Like stay in the relationship and work on the problems. Mm. And people were arguing to the bone on that because... They're like, what? Don't leave because there's a problem. That's literally why you leave. And it's like, wow, like, no, actually, like, there's always going to be problems in life. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be issues. And the fact that we think that there shouldn't be, that is the problem. That is, that is exactly and the result of this culture that we've created now of socially accepted, you know, uh, self-sabotage. So the yoga path is like, okay, we're not looking to create the perfect environment where everything gives us joy we know life has inconveniences we know that there's going to be issues we know we're going to have to put in effort we're going to have to work hard we're going to be in discomfort we're going to have to do things we don't want to do on a daily basis mm -hmm. and our mission 
is to, instead of wanting the external world to provide us pleasure and not and never inconvenience us, Mm -hmm. we want to be liberated, free and transcendent of ever being inconvenienced of ever being, um, of ever being, what is that word? Annoyed ever being Mm -hmm. irritable. irritable. We want to be transcendent of that no matter what is happening. So, um, that way we can get through things that are uncomfortable with grace. We can Mm -hmm. get through challenges. We can solve, we can problem solve instead of having Mm -hmm. an escape Mm -hmm. route and a coping mechanism. We can handle things that, uh, life is giving to us what these coping strategies are doing is that they're making us completely reliant and incapable of ever being in discomfort and back which which is dangerous you know from a deeper perspective even going kind of political in a sense of like it makes us really easily controlled oh totally because if all i got to do is take away your discomfort then i can control you no take away your uh yeah discomfort if i can make things super easy then I got you. I can wrap you around my finger because all I got to do is promise you a bunch of things that are that are comfortable, and you, everyone will just line up. Because like people don't want we don't they, want to, to be face... inconvenient. So even if it means you're trading, yeah. So like standing for... up for your freedom, oh, so inconvenient. Yeah. Right. So then it makes it's a it's a quick slippery slope to a really dark place of like you know like hey man, we you guys we gotta we got to be able to think for ourselves and, and that requires effort. (laughs) So if you're not aware of this, right? Like if you literally don't realize you're enslaved to your coping mechanisms, of course you're going to defend them and Mm. think like, no, they bring me pleasure. They bring me joy. And Matt and I's perspective is always like, yeah, but at what cost? What cost? So that's like our perspective on it. And so mm-hmm. the motivation for stopping these things is that in and of themselves. It's like, is this mm-hmm. a coping mechanism? Do I need it? Am I craving it? What are the side effects? Uh, what are the side effects we're seeing in our life? And like I, like we said earlier, is a lot of people are not even associating. Yeah, that's the biggest one is be brave enough to, to realize that they are connected. They're not associating yeah. the mentality with their behaviors in life. Yeah. And everything is connected. Yeah. So when we look at our day-to-day life and we're not we're having issues, right? There's strife happening. Mm-hmm. Some people will just be like, well, you know, this, this is just, is what it is. this is just, just what it is, but yeah. tonight I'm going to go have fun. So yeah. whatever. And like, what me and Matt are like, no, 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 let's solve this. Like, let's literally like solve it for good. I want to be in joy when I'm at work. I want to be in joy when I have to deal with house stuff. I want to be in joy when we're dealing with our finances. I want to be at peace at all times. And so if I'm not at peace, instead of blaming the thing out there, we need to look at our own habits, our own thoughts, it? our own contributing factors. And when mm-hmm. we actually are honest and we look at those things, there's pretty much nothing good ever coming from coping mechanisms such as use. Any, yeah. Any use. Like this is, yeah. I have to use this thing. So I want to make sure we cover what's the solution, right? Because yeah. this is a matter of education. So the benefits though on the flip side of what Ash is saying of, of facing discomfort. There is a healthy way to deal with discomfort that doesn't have any negative side effects. And one of the biggest things to do is to sit with the feeling, realize that first of all, that it's okay. Now, the reason why we don't like to sit with uncomfortable feelings and emotions is because we remember going back to this core topic of because we think it's us. So as soon as we think discomfort is who we are, then what starts to happen is we become 
uh, worried about looking at it, right? So we kind of, we've broken that down today a couple different ways. So it's important first to be like, okay, this is just a feeling. This is just something I'm experiencing, but it's not who I am. And then from there, we can start the, the healing process of saying, well, what is this feeling a consequence of? And it's always the consequence of a choice. It's the consequence of a choice either we literally did or didn't do, I guess, and or how we're thinking about something. And so every discomfort, every single human discomfort is the result of a choice. Can I just say that sitting with your discomfort, looking at what Matt is talking about is being self, like observing yourself mm -hmm. and saying, where is this coming from? That's the inner work. Yeah. That's yoga. That's when we said we're committed to the yogic path of self-mastery. Mm -hmm. This is why we're able to do this because anytime we're brought out of peace, instead of being like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to mm -hmm. go run away and drink, or I'm going to break up with you. Mm -hmm. We instead sit our asses down. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> we sit our ass down. We say, okay, what's going on? And is this, this is the process yeah. that he's talking about. And so if you take away all your coping mechanisms, you take away drinking, porn, alcohol, yeah. weed, uh, whatever, and you do this instead, this is how you transcend so that those things stop having power over you because you do the work to get to the root and you transcend it consciously mm -hmm. instead of staying in a cycle of coping. Yeah. And to put it simply, you, you develop the ability to sit with your discomfort rather than run from it. It's a really just blanket yeah. way to put it. Which it's is like, strength. It's which super is courage. Strong. Like people are clearly struggling to do this because yeah. it's hard. And that's why we have compassion, total compassion for it. And that's why we know you're innocent. We know we're all innocent. It's the only way you're actually going to heal is you have to know you're innocent. When you sit down and do this, what ends up happening is you realize a bunch of stuff. You realize yeah. you have unhealed trauma. Right. You yeah. realize you have inner child wounds. You realize you repress things from your parents. I mean, mm -hmm. it's dark stuff that ends up coming out when you actually sit down and look at your thought patterns and your behaviors and mm -hmm. you go back and you figure it out. It's, it can be dark stuff. And the re, but it's not who you are, right? So that's why we don't, that's, that's why we don't know how to do this is because remember the human ego is naturally going to associate with whatever it's thinking and feeling. And so this is why I keep drilling this point home as you look, you, we can look at the nastiest stuff together and it's not personal. I don't care what your mind tells you or what you're feeling. It's not you. It's not you. It's your ego. It's a program and it's been taught to you. So even if you have some really dark traumas, I've got some crazy dark traumas, but it's not me. So I can talk about it freely because it's not who I am. And so the only way we heal this is we sit with it, we process it, and we realize that it's a result of a choice. So let's say this, even if you do have a trauma and it's starting to come up and you're like, well, Matt, you, you, uh, you're worthless, bro. Like, look at these choices and then my mind's flashing me, all these memories proving to me like, dude, you suck. Like, you should just not be here. And it's just rattling off a bunch of just horrible things that trying to put me down. In that moment, I have to realize, well, wait a minute. The reason why I'm actually feeling so bad about myself is because I'm choosing to believe this BS. I'm choosing to believe it. I'm choosing to listen. And what we don't realize as humans is we don't have to listen. We don't have to believe everything your mind thinks. You don't have to identify with everything you're feeling. The yogic path of inner work is about observing and keeping your worth and your, your true self separate. 
That's why I've been drilling this point home over and over and over again. It's like, it's so imperative to be like, whoa, I am unconditionally loved, innocent, pure and whole and complete and already healed. So this crazy shit is not me. So who and what is it? And it always goes back to either a person, a trauma, a program, a conditioning, a movie you watch, you name it. It came usually from somewhere outside of you. But if you don't do this self-observation work, you think if I don't think about it and I don't look at it, that's how I assure it's not me. I never look at it. If I never look at it and I don't talk about it, people are so into the law of attraction. Like don't talk about your trauma. I was literally listening to Abraham Hicks and it kind of tripped me out because she was saying like, don't process and talk about your traumas because it's not who you are. So just only focus on what you truly are. But when you... That's true when you've made that distinction, what Matt's talking about. If you haven't, you have a subconscious and you haven't healed and you haven't dealt with it and you just repressed it, it's in the back of your buried subconscious mind totally affecting you because what what is not in the light and is not healed and revealed is still having an effect on our consciousness. So we think by ignoring things, not talking about them, not looking at them, that that is us being separate. But what is us actually saying, no, I am, I'm good, I'm whole and complete, is us having the courage to look at the things that are uncomfortable, past traumas, past memories, choices we've made, and taking full accountability for the choices that we've made and taking full accountability and awareness for reconciling the things that have happened to us. And with that awareness, keeping it in front of us, not on our backside in the dark and saying, I see all of you and you have no control over me. That's actually takes work and just ignoring it is and not healing it. We think that we're free from it when it's actually probably subconsciously still controlling and affecting us from the shadows. So let's talk about how we can take steps now to, let's say you're in a relationship or this is just, you know, your thing that you want to start healing. Let's talk about literal, practical tools, resources, like what can we do to uh, provide people with some practical steps Mm -hmm. with this new awareness of like, okay, cool. Like I'm totally Mm -hmm. down to do this inner work of self-mastery or I want to have this in my relationship. What do I do? First and foremost, uh, I have a YouTube video called How to Process Negative Emotions Sitting with Discomfort. So that video is huge. It's literally going to walk you through this entire concept from start to finish, recapping it, guiding you through it. And um, I would highly recommend that as far as like a resource and tool because it's something you can watch, replay, and I, I'm a, I literally walk you through the entire thing and I do it with you. So that I think would be the biggest thing. But to bullet point it, I think the number one thing to help is starting to implement this concept of separating your worth from your choices and consequences. And, and I would invite you all to, I would invite you to play around with this idea of what if my, what if I was always loved accepted, forgiven, and full of grace and worthy of love? What if that was always true and I'm always safe, I'm always secure? And then from there, see if you can look at your choices because you're safe and secure. See if you can look at your choices objectively. Like from a bird's eye third person view. And just be like, all right, what choice is getting made? Witness consciousness. What's the consequence of it? 
And what can I learn? And how can I choose differently? Is this my highest potential? Yeah. So let's say you're feeling bad about yourself and you, this is common for me. Like, let's say I made a mistake and I'm feeling down on myself because all of my programming of judgment and shame, I'm starting to judge and shame myself. So I feel insecure. I feel down. I feel negative. In that moment, I have to pause. I have to breathe. And I say, first of all, none of that's true because you're loved. You're innocent. You're pure. You're whole. You're complete. Okay, cool. So, so what I'm actually going through right now is an experience. I'm feeling something. I'm thinking something and that's what's giving me the feeling. So this is a consequence of a choice. All right, what choice is this? Well, first of all, maybe I made a mistake. Okay, so that's the action choice that I made. Now, that's not enough though. What's making me feel this way? Well, I'm choosing to view that mistake a certain way. Well, how am I choosing to think about myself? I'm choosing to believe that I am now a lesser person, that I'm stupid, that I'm dumb, that I shouldn't have done that, that I'm a sinner, that I'm evil, that I'm this, that I'm that. Oh, okay, so I'm choosing to believe that. I'm choosing to think that way and believe it and agree with it. Thus, I feel this way. And the consequence of choosing to think that way about myself is this feeling. Oh, so you're saying who I really am and my whole, my true worth is actually not this feeling. Yes, that's what we're trying to get us to realize is Oh, okay. Well, shoot, I can deal with that. I can deal with, oh, this is just the result of how I'm choosing to think. Because here comes the fun part. Cool. So now that you see the lesson, every time you choose to think poorly of yourself, you're going to feel this way. All right. None of it's true, though. It's just a choice. So here's what's cool is, great. What have you learned? Well, every time I think that, I'm, that, I, that I suck and I'm wrong, I feel really bad about myself. Cool. Do you want to keep choosing that? No. Do you mean I have a choice? Absolutely, you have a choice. So what do you want to choose to think instead? Well, I guess I can choose to think, yeah, hey, Matt, you made a mistake. It's all good, bro. You learned, you got smarter, and actually it's all good. And how do you think you're going to feel? What's the consequence of giving myself some grace, learning the lesson, and, and, and actually seeing it as you got smarter, wiser, stronger, and you matured? Well, shoot, I'm going to actually feel pretty good about myself, and I'm going to feel at least neutral and feel like, cool, it's all good, man. You made a mistake. Let's pick yourself up. Let's keep going. Okay, so you're saying I can do that? Yeah. Which because then, I guess this is just the mentality so that you can start looking at maybe the more negative choices or not right. negative or just like self-sabotaging choices yeah, that you might discomfort. be using and just learning from it instead of seeing yourself as wrong or shameful, which then perpetuates yeah. you doing the thing because you, if you think I'm wrong or shameful for looking at porn, your your soul immediately goes, no, I'm not, which is yeah. so true. Which is where it gets And so defensive. then you say, okay, great. So then I'm going to keep looking at porn because I'm not shameful. And so what Matt is just <laughs> basically proposing is saying, hey, uh, you're totally not shameful, but can you just look at looking at porn has some negative consequences and just see that instead of associating it with I'm wrong or shameful? Because as yeah. soon as you say I'm wrong or shameful, your soul will say, no, you're not, which is true. And then you'll say, okay, great. So then I can keep just looking at porn because I'm not shameful for looking yeah. at porn. No, you're not shameful for looking at porn, but, but looking at porn has negative consequences. So that's so the analyzing first the choice. Invitation is just be honest about the natural consequences and just maybe do a little self-analysis and look at maybe some habits, daily habits that you have that maybe are not the highest potential for you and just 
can you be honest about the natural consequence without self-associating your self-worth with it? Yeah. Here's a really good example just to give you food for thought on that. Uh, every time I would use a substance, uh, where you're really going to see it is in the next 24 hours to 72 hours. So the next day to three days, because you just gave the brain that atom bomb of chemicals like we talked about, the brain is going to be coming off of that in a form of withdrawal. And that withdrawal might not be as extreme. Like we said in the beginning of the podcast, like it doesn't, it's not some crazy heroin withdrawal, right? Because that's what we would call addiction. It has to be extreme these days. It's actually not that extreme. It's as subtle as you being irritable. It's as subtle as you being a little more impatient than usual. And what it looks like on a day-to-day basis, so you can start to connect the dots is if after using something, the next day to three days later, I was a little more on edge than usual. And the reason why is because my brain is coming off of the huge high and now it's really pissed that it doesn't have it anymore. And so it's making me itchy because it wants me to, because normal life now is very unfulfilling and so it's making me mad. And so this is a really good way to spot it is you don't feel as good. You're a little more snappy. You're a little more impatient. You're a little, got that itch a little bit more. These are actually as simple and subtle as it is. You want to do it again. You, yeah, you're kind of like, oh, I can't wait for the next weekend. Like, fuh, like, yeah. right? You, you got that, you got. You just kind of have that irritation with life. Now we've, we've, Normalize. We've normalized, oh, That's how Monday, everyone feels. oh, hump day, oh, this, oh, that. We've normalized the, the negative attitude, like Ash was saying back when we were school teachers, like, yeah, everybody in the break room, what are we doing? Just talking shit about how bad everything is. And it's like, no, life that's is not, not normal. supposed to be something that we always have to escape. <laughs> yes, that's not the normal. The normal is peace, happiness, and content. Being content. This, we've Presence. created a world of discontentment that we have to wake up from because that's not the answer guys we don't want to just keep chasing and chasing and chasing that's gonna lead to a completely enslaved society because all of us are just chasing stuff so it's so important to just that's my best like food for thought on that is just start to associate that after that big weekend you just had notice the next few days you are not happy with life and it'll be subtle. It'll just be little subtle things that you're irritated about. That actually is the side effect. Okay, so that's for the person who wants to look at their own habits. But what if we're in a relationship now? Let's talk about um, if you're in a relationship and you want to be in this relationship of self-awareness, inner work, conscious coupling, where you're, you're both on this path of self-mastery. And you're like, I don't know what to do if I should like leave my partner or if I should try to stay to do the work. Here's, here's our guidelines for that is like we said, you, you got to make that non-negotiable list. You got to come up with your non-negotiables that you have to set standards for yourself. You guys mm-hmm. like, uh, it's okay. You can be a loving spiritual person and still have standards for your life. It's actually imperative. Yeah. And, and, and you can set those standards and you can still love somebody, but not mm-hmm. intertwine your life with them. Like you yeah. could be like, I love you as a human being, but like, this isn't the life path I want. Mm-hmm. that you're allowed to do that that's yeah that is allowed. actually loving so because if you don't what ends up happening is you actually are in a relationship of resentment yeah, which is unloving <laughs> projecting onto the other person that the they face. should be different than yeah. what they are yes so it's really important that you get into a mutual agreement where you're like, mm-hmm. these are our non-negotiable lists that we have agreed to it's like mm-hmm. you know when you go into a business you have an operating agreement 
where you write out what each other's roles are mm-hmm. and, the expectations. And, you, and expectations and you both sign and you agree. And that's because that's to protect you guys from having the chaos that we experience in romantic relationships where there's unclear boundaries. We don't know what our roles are. We don't know what we've agreed upon. And we're just like every day is like a random surprise of navigating. Well, hey, why don't we get clear on that so we alleviate some of this unconscious projection and just say, these are the non-negotiables that I want in a relationship, what are yours? And see if they line up so that you can consciously agree and say, okay, great. This is the life that we've agreed to together. So it's okay for me to hold you accountable. And it's okay for you to hold me accountable because I literally want this for myself. Now, if you make your non-negotiable list and it's like, um, so inner work is a priority for us and I want to I want to have a, a sober relationship where instead of using coping mechanisms and checking out, we address our root discomforts and talk about them and we're on this mission to do this together. If you want that and your partner's like, well, I want to be uh, just loved for who I am. I want to be able to game and drink and you not judge me. Mm-hmm, you're going to really have common. to say, okay, well, do I literally want that to be my daily reality? Am I actually going to be in love with you? Be honest. Mm-hmm. Or am I going to be resenting and projecting onto you? Yeah. If that's the case, then you have to be brave enough to realize that this is probably not the type of relationship you want to be in. And, and you, you need just to be honest. Know. Yeah, you just didn't know. It's okay. You didn't know. You didn't realize. And, and because most of us don't, we, we don't get clear on this. So how are you supposed to know? And if you say, well, I love this person so much, I could never leave them, but this is who they are, then it's your inner work to say, then I need to let go of my expectation and stop projecting onto them because I'm actually the one causing pain now. Mm -hmm. They've been honest with me about who they are. They've told me, this is who I am. If you want to stay, stay. And if you stay, but you keep pushing them and you keep projecting onto them and you keep resenting them, that's your shit now. They've told you who they are and you won't stop trying to project onto them. So that's kind of like the, the two things that could happen there. Now, if you are in the position where you, uh, you want to leave and you're like, okay, well, I definitely don't want this. The thing that I always keep reiterating is that we're so afraid of having our standards and boundaries because of what we're going to lose but we really need to get excited about what we're going to gain when we are in our authenticity and our truth. You're never going to be dissatisfied with your life when you give yourself your needs, when you hold yourself to um, having your boundaries met, and when you give yourself the standards and the conditions that you have set for yourself. You're always going to feel satisfied. You don't need to be afraid about what you're going to lose because you should be more afraid of being in a life that you are resenting and you don't want and looking back and being like, I never was true to myself. Mm -hmm. That's more scary. That's more scary to stay in a relationship or a situation that is not your truth because you're too afraid to to let it go to find out what your truth is. So Mm -hmm. these are the ultimatums and I just want to put it out here because yesterday we did a full moon ceremony for the full moon in Capricorn And by the time this podcast gets posted, I don't know what day of the week it will be, but we're recording this around this energy. So it's important to, to say is that the energy of the full moon in Capricorn right now is all about ultimatums and uh, choice making, decision making around big life choices, career, Mm -hmm. relationships, uh, living conditions. And 
being responsible and honest about uh, getting in alignment with our truth. So it's kind of apropos that we're talking about this right now. And if you're interested, you can go onto our Instagram and watch the live recording of the full moon ceremony, even if it's past the full moon, because it will help you process. And we do a lot of breath work, journaling, self, uh, we do muscle testing to help us get clear on, on making that decision. So if you're in that place, I highly recommend you go do the full moon puja ceremony because it will help you get clear if this is where you're at. Mm -hmm. Wow, I just talked for a really long time. Sorry. So just ripping, girl. Get it. Okay. Beautiful. We gotta so, wrap this up. So I think that's the most important part, right, is, is you got to be clear with the relationship, um, getting clear with your expectations because that's what it's all about. Because once you have that agreement, it's, it's awesome. And then you, you have the strength of each other's support. Because once it's clear that we both want this, then it's like, dude, I'm your biggest fan, right? Now it's like, I'm your biggest support. I'm your biggest cheerleader. Like, I could not be the man I am without my wife. Hands down. No way right? Because I needed that mirror. I needed that support. I needed her to be there for me, support me through it, to help hold the mirror. Because one of the, the things is it's, it, it can be difficult. You know, we have a huge, you guys know, like our opinion is like the relationship is your greatest asset for inner work. We believe that your relationship is the greatest place for inner work. Because when I'm single, I can't see a lot of things because I'm in denial or I just literally don't know. The ego has a lot of blind spots. So when you're in a relationship where you do have that mutual agreement, whew, there's nothing like it. It's, it, it turns your relationship into um, the greatest place for growth, which therefore means the greatest place for happiness because happiness you're going to feel when you know you're making progress, when you know you're, you're growing, when you know you're becoming more mature, more wise. That is fulfilling. I think it's uh, Tony Robbins who, who, who worded that one time. I saw one of his things. I think he says that like happiness comes from when we know we're making progress. And when we're not making progress in life, guaranteed, we probably don't feel very happy on a normal basis. So I love that. You know, I love that idea of getting clear. It's so important to get clear on the expectations and then, and then being brave enough to know, is this for me or is it not? And that's actually one of the things too, for those of you like in marriages or in, in committed relationships like Ash and I, that's actually our, our favorite thing also to fall back on is... In, We're choosing to be here. Yeah, I choose to be here and the relationship is, stays solid because it always goes back to, I will never stop, right? Because it's my number one commitment. I will never stop trying to look at this. I will never stop trying to work on this to learn and to grow. And it creates a solid foundation for the relationship because every relationship is going to have problems. But if you have a foundation of inner work, you can get through anything. And if everyone just stays committed to that and says, hey, I'll, I'll never stop looking at this. I'll never stop self-reflecting. You're golden. So just to, just to really drive that home and validate that of like, it's worth it, you guys. It's so worth it. Well... This has been a enlightening conversation. We're back. And uh, well, we always say we're back and then we film one episode and don't come back for months. So we'll just see. We're, we'll just see how this goes. And thank you all so much for tuning in. And as always, from our heart to yours, in the truest sense, namaste. Namaste.